Welcome to the Holistically Healthy Podcast, where I, Sedona Treganing, nutritional therapy practitioner and NASM certified trainer, bust health myths and teach you how to become the healthiest, most confident version of you. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. Today, I wanted to talk about a hot topic, and that hot topic is Ozempic, or semaglutide. I know a lot of people have heard of it before, and if you haven't, it's basically a drug that's on the market that can be prescribed by your doctor, or you can just order it online, and it is for diabetes or obesity. So it's basically a weight loss drug. People are raving about it. I know like some health coaches are actually recommending it to clients, which is crazy, and I'll get into that in a little bit. But yeah, a lot of people are talking about it and are wondering, okay, should I take this drug? Will it actually help with my weight loss? Or is it just going to be something that, you know, is a quick fix, maybe would cause a lot of side effects? So that's what I want to cover today so that you guys can understand the implications of it and understand if, you know, maybe this is something that you should take or your family member should take that would be helpful or maybe it's just not going to be right for you. Okay, so the first thing that I would like to talk about is what is ozempic or semaglutide? Like, how does it work? So basically, it's a naturally occurring peptide. It's called GLP-1. And this is something that, yeah, you create on your own and it helps to regulate appetite. So basically, when you eat food, the way this is supposed to work is that when your stomach gets full, it signals to your brain via the vagus nerve that you are full. And so it makes you feel like, okay, I don't need to keep eating food. Now, the problem with this, though, is that people with diabetes or metabolic syndrome, they don't get this signaling very well, or just with the poor diet, which we'll talk about in a second, you know, how to actually work on appetite regulation without this drug, but like they just don't ever feel full. They feel like they can keep eating. So what the drug does is it is a synthetic form of this GLP-1 and it is injected in high levels to where it's not broken down well in the body. So even if this person is eating a little bit of food, they're going to feel full faster. The way it works is that it is helping, you know, lower insulin and blood sugar and, and lower fat because you are just eating less food because of less of an appetite. That sounds great, right? Like it could be very advantageous for people that are really struggling with their appetite. Maybe they have the diabetes or just like they don't really get full. They have binge eating disorder, those types of things. And yeah, it'll probably help them eat less food. But the thing that's not often talked about are the side effects. So of course, you know, with any kind of drug, people are going to be paid money to sell the drug, right? They're probably going to get a cut a commission of selling the drug. A lot of people talk about all the benefits, but the side effects are very, very real. So one of the side effects is that it actually lowers stomach acid secretion. If you listen to my podcast before about, you know, stomach acid, digestion, all of that, you know that stomach acid is needed to actually break down your food, to break down proteins, carbs, and fats and to use it as energy, and to extract the nutrients from that food and and use it, especially like B vitamins. You know, B vitamins are really important for your metabolism and for your energy. And so that's where low stomach acid could lead to feeling really fatigued, or it could lead to hair loss, you know, weak, brittle nails, those types of things. And it also, you know, your stomach acid is like basically the first line of defense against pathogens. So things that you ingest, if there's bacteria or, you know, you're eating something that's not well cooked, you're, if you have adequate stomach acid, you should be able to fight against those pathogens. But if you don't have adequate stomach acid, you're not going to be able to. So this is one of the really big impacts that it has on your health. Now, another thing is that they're finding that it causes gastroparesis. 
and constipation. So gastroparesis is paralysis of the stomach. And this actually, they find that for a lot of people, this is happening even after they're stopping medication because it's leading to nerve damage in the gut. So if you have paralysis of the stomach, you're not moving food along. So your food is sitting there fermenting and can often lead to things like small intestinal bacterial overgrowth or just dysbiosis, which is what I always talk about and which is what causes a lot of health issues for people because they have an imbalance of that bacteria. They have a lot of overgrown bad bacteria that leads to systemic inflammation, malabsorption of nutrients. I mean, your gut is so important in your health. And so it's, you know, it's kind of funny how you're taking a weight loss drug that'll supposed to make you, it's supposed to make you healthier and have a healthier body mass index. But in reality, if it's disrupting your gut health, it's going to lead to a lot of problems over time, even hormonal issues. And then speaking of hormonal issues, so if you are just eating less food and you're not changing your diet, this is going to lead to sympathetic dominance. So basically sympathetic dominance is you're stuck in that fight or flight state rather than the rest and digest. So now your hormones, especially your stress hormone, is kind of taking over and you're always in that stressed out state. Your body's in a stressed out state, which is then going to influence your the rest of your hormones, your sex hormones. So this can cause you to have a lack of period or really bad PMS. Or let's say, you know, you're having constipation, which is, you know, your stool is one of the way you detox from excess hormones in your body. So now you have estrogen dominance and again, leading to more PMS or leading to mood swings or acne or weight gain in your hips and thighs. So these are just some of the implications that people are finding like with studies. But it's interesting, you know, so many people are taking this drug. It's, it's you know, you wonder what's going to happen over time as they do more studies on this drug. But yeah, so just to, to recap, you know, it's really going to impact digestion, hormones, micronutrient status, etc. So really your health in general. But now let's say that you're like, oh, shit, like <laughs> I wanted to take the Ozempic. I thought it was going to be really helpful. I need to lose weight. I need to regulate my appetite. There are so many natural ways that you can decrease appetite. And the things that I could say here are pretty much endless. I mean, it could be that you have an emotional attachment to food. It could be that you have uh, insulin resistance or blood sugar issues. could be that you're yo-yo dieting. It could be so many things. But I do, I put together a couple of really common ways that you can start to decrease appetite and lose fat that you can start doing literally tomorrow. And these are all scientifically proven. And so I hope that you guys are able to take away some important things from here because, yeah, you don't have to take a drug to lose weight and you don't have to take a drug that's also going to make you worse off than when you started. Some natural ways that you can decrease appetite and lose fat without impacting your health. The first thing is, is going to be about your nutrition and adding in more fiber. When I say fiber, I'm thinking of, you know, berries, oatmeal, vegetables, specifically like broccoli, spinach. These are all very high fiber, you know, chia seeds, flax seeds. All of these are really great and really packed with fiber. Now, the reason why fiber is going to be helpful for decreasing your appetite is because one, it adds more volume to your food. So, when I had talked about before, you know, GLP-1 and how that gets signaled to your brain when you have more food in your stomach, fiber adds more volume to your food without adding calories. So it's going to help you with that GLP-1 signaling to tell your brain that you are full. You don't need to keep eating. It also slows the absorption of food and the absorption of sugars and delays gastric emptying, 
one of the reasons why a lot of people, specifically diabetics, struggle with their appetite is because they're on this blood sugar roller coaster. So basically, you know, they ingest the food and their blood sugar spikes and then your insulin is signaled to take action. And so your blood sugar dips super low. And so then your body's like, oh my gosh, we need to get more energy because we have no energy left over. It's all been sent to our muscle cells, our fat cells. Basically, our blood sugar has been sent there. We need more energy. What is the fastest way to get energy? To eat more sugar. And that's where you're going to crave more sugar. Now, fiber, again, helps to slow the absorption of sugars and delays gastric emptying to where it's going to stabilize your blood sugar. And instead of being on this roller coaster of having high blood sugar and then low sugar and craving more sugar, you're going to be more stable. You're going to have less cravings. Something very similar to this is protein. Now, protein also takes longer to digest. And this is going to be great because, again, stabilizing blood sugar. And it's also the most satiating food, macronutrient, that you can eat because it influences ghrelin. So ghrelin is one of those hormones that signals that you are full. And again, ingestion of protein, you know, if you can have chicken or beef or fish, you know, salmon, cod, tilapia, include that with meals, at least three meals a day, and that is going to drastically help with satiety. It's also pretty cool too because it does take a lot of energy from your body to digest, you know, break down protein. So you're actually burning more calories even if it's not a big difference, it is a small difference where you're burning more calories when you are eating high amounts of protein. And again, that could just be, you know, four or five, six ounces of protein three times a day. It's typically going to do the trick for a lot of people. The next one is drinking enough water. So drinking water is going to fill your stomach. Like I had said, it's going to give you that full feeling. And a lot of people don't drink enough water and they don't drink a lot of quality water. So just making sure that you are drinking at least half of your ounces or half of your body weight in ounces is going to be beneficial. And if you are someone that you know sweats more or you just work out more and you have more mass on you, you're going to need more than half your body weight in ounces of water. So just keep that in mind. Like for me, I'm someone that goes to the gym three to four times a week. I sweat during those training sessions, but I weigh about 130 pounds. And half of that would be one, no, half of that would be 75 ounces, right? No, half of that would be 65 ounces. <laughs> okay, half of that would be 65 ounces. So for me, I find my sweet spot is about 80 to 100 ounces a day of water. And obviously, you know, if you're ingesting more sodium, if you eat a lot of processed food, which is not great. I mean, I don't think you're going to be listening to this podcast if you're eating a lot of processed food. But let's say you are eating a lot of sodium and and maybe you would want to drink even more water at that point because you want to have a good fluid balance for fluids to sodium. The next thing is going to be, again, related to blood sugar in riding that blood sugar roller coaster that is going to make you more hungry. So stress is a big one. If you are stressed, your body doesn't understand that it's not something that is actually happening. What I'm saying is if you are thinking about a stressful scenario, your body doesn't understand that you're thinking about that scenario. It thinks it's actually playing out and that you're going to have to evade that scenario. So your body starts pumping out energy. And again, this energy is blood glucose. It's blood sugar. So when your body starts pumping out that energy, you're going to have high glucose levels. Again, where your body has to send out insulin from your pancreas to lower these blood sugar levels eventually. And in order to, again, stabilize that blood sugar, 
making sure you have a good perception of stress is going to be very important. And when I say stress, again, that is that's not even just emotional stress. That's like, am I training too much? You know, am I sleeping enough? It's a big one for blood sugar. So make sure you're lowering stress. And I have a bunch of podcast episodes on that as well. And then the last one, again, related to blood sugar is looking into glucose disposal agents. Now, glucose disposal agents are kind of like what they sound like. They help dispose of glucose. So they help insulin do its job of shuttling glucose into either the muscle cells, the fat cells, or liver. A lot of the times GDAs would be like chromium or cinnamon or berberine. And you can find this, I mean, you can just search up a GDA supplement and you can try taking that with your high-carb meals. And again, that'll help to stabilize blood sugar. And actually, New Ethics has one. It's GDA Max. And I do have a discount code with them, which it's just Sedona is the discount code. But yeah, you can always try that out and see if that also helps with blood sugar regulation. And then other things, just, you know, movement is going to be helpful. Not too much movement to where you're always stressed out, but starting your day with walking or walking post-workout or just getting outside for 10 minutes a day. And again, walking will be really helpful for movement and again, stabilizing blood sugar. And, you know, gaining muscle mass is helpful. Again, when I'm talking about shuttling blood sugar out of the blood into cells, Well, the more muscle mass you have, the more room you have to store that blood glucose. And that's also important. And then, yeah, I think that that's pretty much it. It's really frustrating, though. I will wrap this up as it's frustrating when, you know, people just want to take the easy way out because they've tried so many things. I feel like they've tried everything, but they haven't tried the basics. You know, (laughs) a lot of the times coaches don't go over all of these things like the GDAs, the blood sugar, all of that. And that's why I love doing what I do because even when people feel like they've tried everything, they haven't tried everything usually. And they haven't actually worked on their stress management and these foundational things like walking and sleeping well and all of that. But the last thing I'll say here is, is if you've been thinking about Ozempic, but you're like, oh, shoot, I don't want to go through all these symptoms, always reach out to me. Instagram will be linked in the show notes, but it's Sedona underscore T. And if you guys ever need any help with anything, you know, related to fat loss or blood sugar or digestion, reach out, okay? Because you probably haven't tried everything and there is an approach out there that will work for you that won't give you those nasty side effects. Well, that's it for this episode, guys. Thank you so much for listening and I will catch you on the next one. Thanks again for listening to the Holistically Healthy Podcast. If you enjoyed, make sure to leave a review as I will be picking one of you to win a free consultation with me every quarter. If you want more information or immediate help, head to www.wholenothingback.net and apply for coaching.